Hey, welcome to Chef Bill's Table. Chef Bill, your host. Chef and Jake's here in Flemington. Over 26 years serving the community. And today we have our guest appearance once a month. We've gotten to a nice habit here with Pete Nurcio from Black River Spice and Tea Company in Oldwick, New Jersey. Pete assembles uh, freshly procured dried herbs and spices. Some of us think always that... Uh, Fresh herbs are better, but in many cases, and finding out from Pete is getting to know him, all the uses, why, why somebody would need uh, a bulk spice or herb provider. But Pete uh, supplies many different types, right, Pete? That's right. We, uh, we are a uh, business-to-business provider of uh, dried herbs and spices and seasonings, you know, most often seasonings that uh, you really can't find uh, Easily. What do you so. mean seasonings? Well, seasonings are, are blends. Pepper, right? Yeah. No, no, well, when I say seasoning, I'm talking about a blend. So, okay. for instance, uh, you know, you might be able to buy uh, Bouquet Garnet or uh, Herbs de Provence or Seasoned Salt. Sure. But we also do things like biryani masala, um, tandoori masala. We do things like different curries. We have five, like five different curries that we do. Yeah, I guess we don't often think of that because we get stuck with this plain yellow generic curry powder all the time. And yeah, that's the, uh, the English. Really, uh, <laughs> well, that was their interpretation. Although, according to my sister, though, who was, was, uh, lived in England for years, she's in Scotland now, but the uh, these curry recipes or, or blends are handed down even from generation to generation as, say, you know, an Italian grandma's meatball recipe or <laughs> gravy recipe or something or, you know, Things like that. They do really do, people that get serious about the curries do mix their own. Yeah, the, the, the interesting thing about curries is, is that uh, um, the reason they got popular in Europe was uh, because of the um, uh, occupation of the British in, in India. Oh, sure. And uh, they eventually started to uh, eat a little bit more of the local cuisine, and which they uh, got used to. And um, some brought it back to England. Uh, they were used to a more powerful type of curry, um, but the indigenous population to England uh, wasn't ready for that. No, so they didn't. had to tone it down <laughs> a bit. And so the regular British or American type curry is fairly tasteless compared to what you can get in India. So, And you also do spices. Uh, I think you've mentioned in the past uh, brewers and... and uh Yep. food manufacturers, right? People. We packaging. do small food manufacturers in the area. They, uh, you know, the, you have quite a few popular type of food manufacturing. Like there's a, there are uh, quite a few people that do jams and jellies, and some people, uh, you know, then some people like to do hot sauces. Is another trend. Those, yeah, those little niches there. Hot yes. sauces. It so. seems like. You can always find a new one, and, and they're all a little bit different, you know. They're different, but but it's it, it, the interesting thing is is, is that they're they, they become like a popular thing, and so uh, you find several sp- um, hot sauce companies. They even have festivals on, uh, around here in Huntington. There's and even in uh, I guess was it Long Branch? There's a festival for uh, hot sauces. So it's those kinds of uh, you know. Of course, they use chili. Uh, that's the base. Okay. Uh, but, you know, if they want to add their spin on it, you've, you've got to start using Yeah, it flavors. seems like there was always, like, the, well, a lot of things we do, <laughs> like like overhopped beer in this country. <laughs> you know, Americans always, we want to go more and more, and it seems uh, once people 
extracted that ghost chili oil. That's you know sometimes <laughs> it's just too much. It's one sided. Yeah, yeah. And I think what what you do with your blends there, you try to balance things like everything. It should be in balance. It should be in balance. But yeah. but what we're all about is is uh, we're trying to bring authenticity. So uh, I deal with uh, say um, Egyptian or uh, uh, Indian restaurants, and they don't. Uh, they're looking for something that tastes like they think it should taste like, you know, tastes like home to them. Oh, the memory, and, yes. Yeah. yeah. So so what I need to do is to uh, replicate what it would be like to buy that spice in their country because that's what they would use to cook in their restaurants. And, of course, where, in, in, where these spices, where the cuisine is developed, of course, the spices are probably more readily available in a good form, let's say, in, you know, like you've said, you know, it's, Sometimes, yeah. It's all dried, but it's still age does matter. Are you getting it that's been sitting in a warehouse for two years? <laughs> and, and your forte is bringing the dried product, but freshly dried. We, yeah, we, we don't stock uh, thousands of pounds of anything. So we only bring in what we know we're going to turn around quickly. Yes. And as a result, uh, we buy, we buy uh, fresh stuff all the time. Now, we also try to time things according to the harvest. So certain herbs and spices uh, might come in, well, spices more, might come in, uh, let's say, um, in March, and they were harvested in February. Okay. You know, and some of them are harvested in, in August, and they come in in October. Because remember, they come in on a slow boat. Yes. So, yeah. so you're looking at six to eight weeks. But uh, that's, that's another thing we try to do. We try to time the, the, um, our purchase to the harvest so that way we get that year's harvest. Yeah, I've, I mean, I, I feel the same like dried legumes or beans. You know, you can get dried, but sometimes, you know, I think that's why people have to soak them so much. I've found if I get, say, an imported cannellini bean, it cooks up much quicker than, say, some uh, a great northern that's been hanging around the store for a year <laughs> it's a little petrified maybe yeah so and it's 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 easier for us at, at the wholesale level also to get things a little bit more in a exactly. timely fashion that that's that's the benefit of it all the the um of course our prices will fluctuate with uh, sure. with the market so uh and we try to keep our prices as low as we can and so they're low enough that we can't absorb big changes in the market so so our prices do fluctuate some of the bigger houses they put on a, a a pretty high price and whatever happens to the market it's still underneath their um their cut of of what they need for a profit so we we try to keep it low so you yeah you're actually and, and i don't i like seeing fluctuations but they probably have a price point that they know customers are willing to pay you know, and everything's three ninety nine for a little jar, whether it contains an ounce or six ounces. Right. Just adjust the weight, because everything should be. Or the, 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 there's one the uh, the lower end that everything is ninety nine cents. You know, whether you're buying oh, yes. salt or yeah. pepper or pepper, whatever you're buying, it's all ninety nine cents. Yep. And I've found too. Um, I know from my wholesaler, different levels even in the between a brand, say a, a well known brand like McCormick's, but then there's a, there's a second label of spices. And herbs, and you know the sales are. They try to say, "Oh, this is more economical for you." But I noticed something like, like the rosemary, for example. The needles aren't quite as long, or you know the, huh. uh, you know the, is is the black pepper ground too finely? I mean, is there, there are different quality levels. Absolutely. Probably like anything, you've got your your premium cut, whatever 
like to say time leaves, but then you get a second one. Is they, they do you, um, do people mix other stuff in there that shouldn't be in there? I and mean, what's the labeling rules it, like? Adulteration is is as old as the oldest profession. So yeah. uh, the uh, and and it's not uncommon that uh, foreign countries uh, do adulteration, and it does happen. Um, however. There, uh, there are quite a few uh, importers in the U.S. Uh, in large spice houses as well that really work against having that happen to their product. Uh, so you'll see um, some of them uh, actually have agents abroad that uh, will uh, it has to pass look muster at, over there right, first yeah. before it comes over because it's very costly to to send it back. Yes, you know. Yeah, you want to head it off at the night. Well, even honey, I've seen that. Sometimes there's, there's always these scams out there. I guess exactly, anything. but it does happen. You know, we're you seeing know. it. With, you know, you see it with wine. You see it with you know. There's yep. getting this uh, labeling, which you know sometimes we think we we overdo it in this in this country. But I think the information. I mean, I think the truth and even on our menus, you know, telling the truth levels the playing field. Absolutely. You know, somebody will make a claim that's not true and gain an advantage. That's what it's all about. So we do need some kind of regulation. It, it catches up with them. We've got a break for a couple of messages here. And then uh, today we're going to go into something seasonal. We'll do the poultry herbs. Basically, sage, rosemary, thyme, maybe savory, and spice blends, poultry seasoning. And margarine. Margarine, depending on. And you can use either or any or all of them, right? Absolutely. All right, we'll be right back. You're listening to WHCRDB, HuntertonChamberRadio.com. Brought to you by the Hunterdon County Chamber of Commerce, the voice of business. All right, we're back at the table here with Pete Nurshio from Black River Spice and Tea Company. So we're thinking about, I guess we call them poultry herbs. So, Pete, you know, why do we, I guess we think of it this time of year as Thanksgiving. That's right. And between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I know in our family, those are the two times a year we had turkey. It was a month apart, and that was the <laughs> tradition. But, yeah, so... Um, what are basically, now you talk about seasoning blends, so poultry seasoning is one we see all the time. That's correct. So yeah. what are the basic herbs in poultry seasoning? Well, there, um, typically what you'll find is you'll find things like uh, oregano, uh, sage, rosemary, um, marjoram, savory, thyme, and then uh, you'll see that they'll add a, a spice or two like pepper or ginger, and uh, and those are the typical blends. Okay, and those and so I always thought: is there something? Uh, is there a common denominator through these uh, herbs? Yeah, you know, white meat is typically uh, less um, less tasty or not not as strong tasting as some red meats are. The red meats could be very very uh, savory and uh, bold on their own. You know, you right. eat a steak. Sometimes all you need is a little salt and it's good, Correct. yeah. You know, uh, but that's not necessarily the case with with bird, um, unless you're eating a, a game bird. But but uh, normally you want to season it because the the gamey taste is maybe not quite what you're looking for alone. And 
So normally what you do is you use just a complementary type of uh, seasoning, and that you that is um, going to be herbs. So you'll you'll give it a little bit of a, a complementary soft flavoring, and and typically you'll use herbs like marjoram or savory or rosemary. Rosemary can be a little strong. Yes, that piney, but I, I think of uh, like the woods or the forest with the uh, with these, with especially with the rosemary. Um, yeah, ro- rosemary. The thyme seems good. to work with everything. I guess thyme thyme is very good uh, with with bird and with carbs. Actually, uh, yeah. uh, there's there are quite a few uh, baked goods that uh, like breads that will use things like rosemary and thyme and those. Sure, yeah, you see that more and more now, especially yeah. a nice uh, nice. So uh, complement with carbohydrates, flatbreads. Yeah. So what I'm looking at, I mean the the. Basically, the, the three out of these are a member of the mint family. Yeah, um, the uh, it's it's. Um, I think there's it's uh, savory is one of them. Uh, there's thyme. Yeah, sage is and one. And sage is sage. the other. Yeah, they they're uh, there. There are quite a few that really you don't think that they're related, but. But when you get know, to the family, it's always, yeah, it's fascinating. Like you know, you think, well, they're they're all, they're all. I mean, they're used in conjunction, just like the uh, the warming spices we talked about. Mm-hmm. You can use just one, but generally there's. And you explain, you know, the different notes that the spices yeah, hit. They complement. It's a medley that complements and and gives. Yeah, and you I'm a, looking with the poultry seasoning. The, this little mixture. I love spice mixtures anyway because you don't have to carry each individual herb or spice and let it, you know go bad or, or you know diminish in quality right if you can right. buy a little bit of a blend so um so the it, so it, since this is thanksgiving time yes. uh and we're looking at uh seasoning the bird uh and like we said normally you'll see that uh, uh we'll be using things like herbs to do that um how about a little thanksgiving trivia Did, uh, anyone know for the first thanksgiving when that occurred you want to Oh, uh, the day, what was it? Uh, it was. Uh, well, you know who did it? 1600s. Right. Yeah, yeah, 1621. That was uh, the Pilgrims, right? Um, they got together with the Wampanoag uh, Indians and uh, they had their first uh, Thanksgiving, yeah, which I, included wild turkey. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, always, I, I thought, of course, you know, where they were up in New England, they probably had lobster, too. <laughs> you know that there's a, a competing theory. That particular Thanksgiving was uh, sort of loosely recorded in history, but there's actually a more solid re- uh, recording of a Thanksgiving uh, that actually happened um, two years earlier in Virginia. Okay. Uh, the, uh, the some Dutch set, uh, I'm sorry, not Dutch, but English settlers to uh, to Virginia uh, were um, they. They had uh, been brought over by what was called the London Company to create a settlement. And one of the tenets of the contract was that the, the day or the, uh, the day that they land soon thereafter, uh, that particular day would be commemorated as a day of Thanksgiving. And it's those words, Thanksgiving, in the actual contract. So in Virginia, they'll argue that we have proof that the first Thanksgiving was in Virginia. Yeah, well, you figure once they landed, they're probably thankful just to be alive after the, the journeys there. But so, so the, uh, the use of these herbs, though, probably mm-hmm. is then from our, our settlers' roots, probably more from the uh, England or that culture. 
Yeah, remember, um, in general, herbs are cold weather type of uh, seasoning. Oh, oh, yeah, so you don't depend so on... So you don't have to go to India for them. So that's what you used because that's what was there. That's what was there. Okay, because some of these sound Italian, some you see them in French cooking, apparently uh, stuffing, you know, things with other ingredients. I, I, earliest that we can figure, which may have happened earlier, but it's the Romans, you know, Italian cooking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and oftentimes the stuffings were not bread. There were other vegetables or other meats or some of the, you know, byproduct. Could be cereal, but... So our, our bread stuffing, though, it seems... I always thought the uh, stuffing... I mean, one of the things that made it taste so good, of course, that was inside the bird, because it's getting all those juices. That's right. And then, yeah. But then you're saying, okay, so... Um, but if that... The trouble is getting the stuffing to the right temperature, you've got to overcook the bird. Yeah, you, and, and actually the, 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 uh, uh, the current always... thought, I, say, I think, is that uh, they say don't put the stuffing in the bird. Do it separately. I think that's currently what they try to Well, it's uh, safer. I mean, I, I, you know, they say we used to do it, and, you never, and plus you never have enough. You know, the, uh, <laughs> they always want more stuffing than you have uh, turkey, right? That's true. So, But I've, I've seen like some... Uh, like Irish, you know, you could make a potato stuffing. You can do wild, you know, especially game ends, wild rice or a wild and white rice blend, but still using some of these herbs. Um, I think even uh, what was a long time ago, Frugal Gourmet had a, it was more you're making like kind of a Mediterranean potato salad, a, you know, cooked potatoes and capers and olives and putting that inside a, a chicken. And then you just cut the chicken in half and you've got your chicken and your potatoes Kind of a cool recipe. Huh. But dressing, um, I know the first restaurant I worked at, we turkey was on the menu in Plainville Turkey Farm, which is still a brand. I think it's more down south now. But um, the turkey farm was about 14 miles outside of town, so we had it on the menu. And they would they made, uh, this, it, was, it looked like a turkey roll, but it was really like a just a 60-40 dark and light meat. It was a boneless half turkey cooked together. There's no filler in it or anything like that. You could hand slice it. There was grain to it. And that's what we could use for the day-to-day. And then the buffet, of course, we had turkeys every week on the buffet. But you get quarts of stock from them. But we always had to make dressing, stuffing, okay. dressing. Whatever yeah. we know, the, that's, the stuffing is inside, dressing's on the side. It's kind of synonymous now. But using these uh, spices, mm-hmm. uh, I remember one time we didn't have any poultry seasoning. I had to make a batch of dressing. Uh, what am I going to do? And I remember reading a label. I was, you know, always been a label reader, uh, Bell's seasoning. And I kind of remembered what it was. So I went to the, you know, into the store and I found enough of the herbs. It was probably a little heavy on the sage. And I think I had to throw a little parsley in there to give it some of the color. But I found enough things to make the stuffing with. And so, uh, but Bell's has been kind of, you know, I mean, everybody has their favorite, but you, you uh, talked to the Bell's yeah, people, right? Yeah, I did. I, I, I uh, contacted them, and, uh, you know, Bell's has is, is, uh, been around quite a long time. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, if, if you think about Thanksgiving, uh, it was nationalized as a holiday in uh, 1863 by uh, Lincoln. Okay, yeah. So uh, Bell's had um, actually started... Uh, selling their blend four years after that. The guy who opened the company, uh, William G. Bell, um, opened it in Boston with his brother, Albert. And uh, they started out with a, uh, a, a provisions and grocer type of business. Mm-hmm. 
and they made this blend, uh, which um, they claimed was good with uh, with poultry and certain other meats. Uh, but it got very popular with poultry, and after a while, the demand for the the blend sort of overshadowed their uh, grocery business. Yeah, sure, just to do one <laughs> thing and do it well, right? That's right. So, so uh, they started um, selling it cans in 1867, and that's how Bell's was originally sold. I don't know if you know this, but uh, it, this year will mark its 150th anniversary at being sold. In, since it was 1867, right. All right, 150 years later is 2017. Uh, so this Thanksgiving is is sort of like a, their 150th uh, anniversary. Is there a proportion? I mean, are they are they are they some decidedly yeah. different, or is there some you sort know, of it's, 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 secret it's, thing in there that makes there it different? There is a secret booklet, so it's a trade secret. It's it's not a uh, patented blend. Right. That particular ratio is a trade secret. Um, but it's interesting to see that you know when, if you Google something like Bell's and uh, uh, Bell's type of um, uh, knockoffs, copycats, how many of those recipes use things other than the seven uh, herbs and spices that are listed as ingredients? Now, legally, you're supposed to list what's in there in descending order of amount. Correct, but below a certain percent, do you not have to list them? Uh, when it comes to blend seasonings and things like that, when you sell seasonings, the law is very specific. You have to list everything. Okay, so but you if can you make a sauce with uh, a sauce and right. you have several spices, the ones that are in small amount, I think it's less than two percent. Yeah, you don't have to. Li- you can say other spices. Well, that's and that's where they. Uh, Get you, on the, especially the sauces, and also that's where some ingredients hide that you might not want, like MSG. If you're sensitive to the the amount of sodium glutamate, it can fall under natural flavors. That's so, true, uh, and that's where some of the stuffs. That's you know, and that but, makes sense. I mean, you know, people have to know what they're putting in their mouth. Yeah, and you don't want to, uh, but you don't want to give away the store either. But yeah, the spice blends like uh, well, Old Bay and things like that, you can pretty much. See, but there's still a proportion. I mean, it tells you what's in there, but you know, is in, in descending is one order, part of this and two parts of this and whatever. I mean, you you make a That's, poultry seasoning, th- right? We do make our own poultry seasoning, uh, but it, like I said, it's just interesting to see that when you when you look at the copycats for for something like bells, yeah, uh, you'd be surprised the the things that people say. Oh, it's you know, add this. You have to add this to get the same flavor. It's a lot of the, those things aren't listed as ingredients. They're they're not in there. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay, so they're just, they, they think there's some hidden thing that, uh, yeah. <laughs> that they're not finding. It's interesting. Yeah, so um, when we're using these, I see some recipes that call for chopping the fresh herbs. And I've done it. I've made a savory sage bread pudding one time. It's kind of a, it was kind of a, a riff on a, 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 you know, a fall Thanksgiving-type meal. So instead of dressing or stuffing, I tried to do a, um, you know, make a bread pudding just with your custard but with sage, not sweet bread pudding for dessert. It was a side dish. Mm-hmm. You know, it was something a little bit different. It was, uh, you know, not as uh, herby. It was pretty much sage, you know, a little bit of onion and celery. But um, advantage to using the dried, because I see poultry seasons are always powdered, too. They're not. Right. It's not like a, uh, a jerk spice blend where you see some leaves and you see some powders. And right. Those are always hard to mix up, too. 
to the, get them because of the specific gravities, I guess. Of the, each thing. The, well, uh, yeah, you, you powder them uh, to a uniform graininess uh, simply because they're going to be folded into something like uh, breadcrumbs and other. You uh, want it homogenous. So you yeah. want it homogenous. Yeah. You don't want little, you know, bits of this and bits of that. So that's basically uh, why they do that, and they and it's ground to at least. 250 mesh uh, in some cases. Uh, typically, though, like Bell's is, is probably closer to 100 mesh, which is just like a very fine powder. So then they would they would actually sieve that, and then there'd be some things remaining, to, and then if they, they have might, to regrind or yeah, they, they, it it depends on the on the process. Uh, for herbs, um, they use something called a hammer mill. Okay. And, and basically, all it is is uh, uh, a chamber that's uh, it's got this spinning um, block in it, and it and it comes awfully close to these to these edges that are built within the chamber, and anything that gets caught between that block and the and that edge gets smashed and torn. Okay, so until so it's small it's, enough it, to it gets hammered. Right. So they call it a hammer mill. So and then what they have is at some point there's an there's an egress for this stuff and it's made up of very small holes. So depending on the mesh size you want, you put in the the appropriate size uh, egress. So you might have a, a plate with very, very tiny holes. So the only thing that escapes is anything that size or smaller. Okay. So so that's how you would you make these things uniformly. Yeah. So advantage to using um, these dried herbs over using fresh? Is there... Oh, big advantage. You know, uh, there's a push towards using fresh herbs and spices. Uh, well, fresh herbs at least. And, and there is the... the Positive aspect of that is that there are quite a few flavor notes in fresh that you will not find in dried. Okay. But the negative is that you need at least twice to three times as much of the fresh herb yeah, to get the same flavor. Three to one, yeah. Yeah, to get the same flavor as the dried. And that's because when you add fresh, you're adding a lot of water weight. Yes, okay. Okay, whereas the dried, it's just it's just the solid the essence, yeah. and the oil. Okay. And so, you remember, what, what is it? People are made up of, what, 94% yeah. water or something right. like Same that? Right, most things. Yeah, <laughs> so whatever that number is. But but you can see that when you boil it down and you get rid of the water, you're you're pretty much, uh, you know, just, just the flavor oils and just the solids. And so it's going to be a lot stronger. And it mixes through more evenly also. And it getting, mixes through more evenly, yeah. sure, sure. All right. Um, so speaking of that, so what uh, for the turkey, do you season the outside? Do you season the inside? Yeah, you, you know, uh, a, it's, it's a interesting. compound butter and put it under the <laughs> it's, skin? It's, it's really, there's some really interesting uh, information out there. Um, you know, you can actually do this in, in three levels. Like there's Food Network uh, website I was looking at. I believe it was Food Network. And they were talking about uh, seasoning the brining, the brine that you use to brine the bird. You know, some people will brine the bird. Yeah, I still don't. I, you know, I know there's an advantage to it. I still don't get that. If you're if you're careful cooking, I don't know. Well, I, I mean, think, I like to I watch th- the salt content on things especially. Right. And, I mean, I, yes, it tastes good, and I've used brine products, I've made brine products, but a lot of times I, I just want to taste what's there. And um, I know the advantage is you can't, you know, it's hard to overcook it or whatever, but and but it, for infusing a flavor, 
I could see the, yes, but it just takes a while. The, the, the point of the brining, I mean, there, there's a couple of claims. One claim is that, that uh, what it does do is it helps to draw out a lot of the blood in the bird, and so you get more, the, the dark meat is lighter. Uh, you hear that. Well, commercially I don't know if that's how, how true that is. But. No, that's, well, back when we were, you know, you know an arrow <laughs> through the air or, or a shotgun pellet, you know, when the, when the animal would, would stop, the heart would stop, then everything's left in there. But right. the way our process works, of course, their blood, like you heard running like a chicken with your head cut off, and that's what happens. The nerves still work, but the heart is still pumping, and it gets that out of there. And I guess um, it used to do with venison that, of course, is harvested that way. It's hunted, and we would put it in salt water, tepid salt water on the stove, and, and bring it up to just like your skin temperature and then rinse it, and then we would treat the the venison like that, stew meat, and when you cooked it up, you couldn't tell. It was like it was almost like veal shoulder or pork shoulder, you huh. know, because a lot of we'd leached out a lot of the uh, myoglobin. I mean, that's the thing. There's there's myoglobin and hemoglobin. Hemoglobin is blood, and that clots right. when it heats, coagulates, I should say. But that's you don't find that in our meat. We find myoglobin, which is a red pigment, but it's not blood. But when people say blood rare, there's no blood in the meat. It's just it's myoglobin. Right, right. So you, you work to you know, get well, that. Well, you, you hear that as well. But the, the other benefit, supposed benefit of brining, remember, uh, and I think you asked this once a while ago, is uh, what? how do you char- characterize uh, salt? Salt is really um, a flavor enhancer. It, it, uh, it, it can act as a savory component. And so the interesting thing about salt is that whatever flavor you have in there, salt helps uh, in moderate amount, right. helps bring it out. Wait, so it's like, you, like a carrier for it. Yeah. It probably it reacts on your it, palate. Whatever it does, yeah. exactly. It, 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 it does, uh, salt will bring out flavor, uh, help to bring it. Too much, of course, then it's salty. But the important thing is, is that if the meat has that light salting in it to begin with, whatever flavoring you're using becomes supposedly a little bit more perceptible. Yeah, well, the brine will do that because osmosis, that whole process, you know, salt's carrying the flavors in. You know, first it draws moisture out, right. so you've got to make sure you brine it long enough. You don't want to catch it when it's still drawed the moisture out, drew the moisture out. You have to wait longer and let the flavoring go back in. And, and that's that's why some of these brining recipes use uh, different uh, herbs and spices. Like I just come, came across uh, a couple. Like there's an orange tea and bourbon blend that, that goes into a brine. They use orange zest, uh, black tea, ba- uh, black tea. Bay leaves, clove, peppercorn, and, and some bourbon. And, and when they do the brining, those things are also added in. There's another one with juniper. Juniper berries, blackberry, uh, black peppercorn, uh, bay leaves, and uh, one lemon uh, zest. Yeah, it's like well, you're getting towards sauerbraten territory. Yeah. <laughs> well, course, I guess. We put the vinegar in that. That's more like a pickled process. But, but people still will brine with certain uh, spices. And, and like you said... Uh, you know, the, the idea, the part of the process is that you have a barrier between the inside of the meat and the outside brine solution. One is saltier than the other, and the direction of flow is towards dilution. Right. So the salty brine with all the flavored components like the juni- in, the, in the juniper um, brine uh, mix or the orange bourbon mix, 
they get carried along with the water. Uh, well, they, they get carried. They get they get carried in the direction of of dilution. Right. So so the, the water comes out of the bird. And then it goes back. Uh, and mm-hmm. then there it strikes an equilibrium. And, right. And well, then yeah. that equilibrium brings back some of the flavor. Yeah, and so because what I I mean I I know um, I guess for thicker pieces it might make sense because you can baste. What about injection, though? You see all that, with, especially with the deep-fried turkey, right? <laughs> yeah, that's cheating. You see the barbecue guys doing it. <laughs> those, are, those are people that can't wait for the natural natural process. So they <laughs> that, yeah, it is, is, well, in a lot, well, you know, even, uh, I mean, the, in, you know, bacon is done like that. And, and, it's true. And corn, corn beef briskets, anything. They, they have the jacquard, that really the fine needles, so you can't really see the holes. They're more like little thin slots, but that allows the brine or the cure or whatever to work faster. Yeah, that, that's more of a pressure principle. I mean, if, if yeah. you inject something in, then you're creating this localized uh, Yeah, it's like one of, spot, right? Of, in one yeah. spot. Yeah. And so it, naturally, the pressure is going to try to, to subside, so it has to spread out to alleviate that pressure build up there. And, you know, so, so it winds up making its way through the meat so doing it actually so injecting if you didn't want all the salt and you didn't you know you could probably do it without salt and you just could, get your flavoring in you it. could if you the other, yeah, yeah. the other thing is you know the the compound butter and stuff it under the skin and that kind of traps it in there i mean that's a a common technique that we've used that's with, true. with poultry and that's also another uh opportunity for people to do uh spicing Quite often you'll you'll see that uh, they said don't just take the butter alone and start buttering the bird. Uh, mix it with some uh, spices and yes. then brush it. So there's all kinds: chipotle maple, Asian ginger, uh, paprika, all kinds. All right, we've got a break for a couple of messages here, and we'll be back at the table with Pete, and we'll figure out this poultry seasoning thing. <laughs> You're listening to WHCRDB, HuntingtonChamberRadio.com. Brought to you by the Hunterdon County Chamber of Commerce, the voice of business. All right, we're back at the table here, talking about poultry seasoning. So. Uh, recap, so bells, besides the herbs, uh, there's ginger in there, I believe. There's ginger and pepper. Those are yeah, the only two spices. Yeah, and, and I see, like, the the one I use at the restaurant has nutmeg in it. So I guess you could always you could throw one ringer in there, I guess, besides the herbs. Well, it, you could. Yeah, uh, I don't think you want to do too many. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but, but it, it, uh, it there are a couple. Um, basically, it's herbs with some complements of spicing. So yeah, nutmeg. So don't over want. don't over spice. You want more oh. of the herbs. Yeah, it's it's herbs are what goes with with poultry yeah. better. So I've used in poultry seasoning um, for me, whenever I'm cooking with mushrooms, for example, if I'm making a duck cell, that finally that's could use be even used as a stuffing, but I will put poultry seasoning in there because I like those herbs. I like the rosemary and thyme and everything, but you know you don't want the needles in there. This is a finely chopped mixture, so right, right. Um, I use poultry seasoning. Oh. I even I've put a little bit in uh, 
clam chowder, New England clam chowder. Don't tell people in New England that. But <laughs> and well, the thing is, it shouldn't be dominant though, because thyme would would be an herb we would use or bay leaf or something, you know. But then you could either use a branch and fish it out, you know, or use a cheesecloth because you you know you may not want all those herbs floating around. But that little da- I don't know that dash of poultry seasoning. Uh, to me, if I'm looking for those herbs and I can find a mixture that has it, instead of trying to sort of like a bouquet garnet type of uh, yeah, and I've I just found if you you know you cook with your nose and your 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 palate and say oh you know maybe that would work in there. I mean, it, not everything works, but you know those are a couple of uh, other uses because we use it all the time. I use it in a, in a sauce. It's 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 kind of a, like a secret barbecue sauce. It's really made for chicken. And it does have poultry seasoning in it. That's one of the one of the, one of the eighteen ingredients. People, if you wait long enough, you find all the rest. But that's it's one that you know you wouldn't think of in there. But it, it is a sauce that was developed just for mainly for barbecued chicken. So the poultry seasoning went in there. Poultry. I mean, you could you could even use it uh, in in a lot of breads. I mean, it goes well with carbs. You know, if if you think about. Uh, uh, like some of the Middle Eastern uh, types of flatbreads, yes. like za'atar. They got, uh, um, I think it's za'atar has thyme in it. But uh, you know the herbs are, are work very well with with carbs because mm-hmm. there's very little in in terms of uh, flavor. It's lightly flavored. The carbs. Does anything not work with carbs? Uh, All our spices work you know, with baking. That, that, <laughs> <laughs> Gee, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so stuffing the bird. So what I I picked this up years ago. So I, I stopped stuffing the bird, and it was a friend of my father's. His name was Corny O'Leary. He had a radio show at WFBL in Syracuse years and years ago. He came over. He said, "I'm going to show you how to cook turkey," and it was a fairly like a you know a twelve this smaller bird. He cooked it in a brown paper bag which it would be questionable now because of the recycled materials in brown paper. We have the roasting bags now that work. Those. Yeah. You know, so the roasting bags, even though they're plastic, they're semi-permeable. You do get some browning. People would think, oh, I'm putting it in plastic. But like parchment or anything like that, it allows the steam to come out. So anyway, so and he said, my stuffing's inedible. I'm like, all right, watching him. So he, he, he rough chops onion and celery, and he puts... Um, an orange cut in half, squeeze in there, a lemon, you know, some of the uh, herbs, and that was the stuffing inside the cavity. All these things that, his thing was, I want to add moisture back to it. I'm not drawing moisture out. Dressing is on the side. So you have that, then you season the bird, crimp it up in the in the paper bag. Of course, the bag doesn't burn as long as there's water on the other side, right. meaning the bird, that's not going to burn. So you take it out, and now, advantage to that, I mean, you're not getting a lot of fond, like the browning in the pan, but you're getting some great drippings that are in that bag because of that citrus and onion and celery mm-hmm. and any herbs you throw in the uh, in the middle there. The sauce comes out really nice. You know, you make your stock on the side, but that, the, the, with the, especially with that citrus in there, that little bit of orange and lemon. Nice. So when I do home, if I'm stuffing the bird, or even a chicken, it's always just with... Vegetables, something moist, and then dressings on the side. Is there anything to this idea of of actually uh, cooking the bird uh, flipped the other way, so breast side down? My my wife does that, and I'm not sure. You're trying to simulate. You may be simulating a rotisserie. I've I've seen that. You put it in the rack, put breast side down. She claims that whatever is in the cavity has to go 
on the meat on of the breast and it doesn't just fall out. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, gravity does help. Plus, you're not you're not having the and if you don't use a rack, you're not having the uh, the two little oysters there. The the favorite, you know. I mean, actually, I guess that's what makes them good. But they're sitting in the in the pan with in the the, pan. the juices. Now that you're trying to, I mean, turning it, and I've seen that, and you're trying to kind of, you know, simulate kind of a rotisserie process, is that what it is? which is good. The juices are, you know, moving around. My, I mean, most recently now, because I usually have to cook a quick bird before I leave the restaurant for round two when I go home. It's like I remember with my family on Thanksgiving, I was working, so the, uh, the butterfly or, or spatchcock and. Uh-huh. That's become the rage now in the last few years. I've, I've been doing it now. I did it on necessity. So you take the turkey and you cut out the backbone, which now you have for stock, which is great. And you open it up flat. Flat. Tuck the wingtips under. And I'm telling you, the bird, because you've taken that backbone on, of course, light, lightens up the weight. 400 degrees, even 425. I'm like broiling a chicken. And in 90 minutes, I'll have a turkey cooked. Really? With crispy skin because you've cooked it fast, and all the meat's done because you've you've laid it out. So the thickness that has to penetrate is only you know the breast and the leg meat cook evenly. There's no cavity that it's has like, to get hot. Think of a think of a you know a grilled chicken. Well, this is just a big chicken. And advantage to that is it's not taking a lot of space in your oven. If you can you, can, you spread it out. Huh. You also got down to underneath that to bake your casseroles with. So, but it really for the rush job. I mean, you, you need a good knife. You know, butcher skills. But um, you open it up like that, and I don't do it any other way now. For, <laughs> you know, the restaurant's different. We have to cook the whole birds. We slow cook them overnight. Um, good product, but for home use, now nah, just lay it open and uh, <laughs> and do it quickly. Not this long, slow cooking. It's. Uh, it's, really? it's more like a, it's a, a fast, I say 400 degrees or better. Huh. You know, so that's that's what I do. I like to, you know, the, the butter on there. Huh. So that's it. Well, Pete, um, thanks for stopping by. It's been a quick hour. you got to uh, let people know how to get a hold of you here. Well, uh, you can uh, come to my website, www.blackriverspice.com. Or you can uh, write to us, uh, email info at blackriverspice.com. And we have a Facebook page, so if you look us up on Facebook, you'll find us as well. Yes, if, yeah, you've got, a, you've got a good little site there. And the, yeah, the, the podcaster there and the, uh, I don't know, it's uh, pretty cool to have a producer like you in the area, like somebody that, that, that plays with the big boys, right? <laughs> Well, we're, we're one of the uh, only ones in the area, so we're, we're uh, actually really enjoying it. We get to meet a lot of people. Yeah, it's nice to have a business that you don't need to be in a congested metropolitan area to be able to, with shipping and everything now, it's much easier, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're signing off Chef Bill's table. Uh, next week, we'll deal more with, I guess, Thanksgiving. The New York Times has already been on it for two weeks now, so we'll be ready. <laughs> what is happening?